Happy Monday, everyone. Hope you all enjoyed your weekend. This is a special edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. And you know who I am. I'm the host, Blaine Spencer. I have a honor, the, the honor and pleasure to be speaking with Jennifer Cobb, former NFL cheerleader for the Los Angeles Rams and the founder of a the Team Gateway to a Cure Foundation. Jennifer, how are you doing today? And thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to come on Final Whistle and chat with me. Thank you so much for having me. And I am doing great because I'm talking to a guy who has a really cool name, Blaine. <laughs> happy Monday to you and all your listeners as well. Yeah, happy Monday, everyone. So Jennifer, let's start, let's dive right in. Uh, you had a cheerleading background uh, in high school and in college, but we all know cheerleading in the NFL is a little bit different. Uh, it's more of a yes. performance. So for you, how did, how did becoming an NFL cheerleader come to your, your, the mind to be able to take an opportunity and take a chance to try out as an NFL cheerleader for you? Yeah, as you know, as you just stated, um, I, I have had a, quite a bit of cheerleading and dance background growing up in, in middle school and high school and then went on to college cheerleading at the uh, Southern Illinois University in Carbondale for football and basketball. And then after graduating uh, from that university, uh, I ended up getting a job in St. Louis at Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. My uh, degree was in dietetics. So I worked there for a number of years and um, I was actually driving home from uh, work one day and I heard on the radio that Mrs. Frontieri, the owner of the Rams, was bringing the team from LA to St. Louis. And so I'm driving down, I'm like, hmm, that sounds interesting. You know, I'm not the strongest dancer, but that's okay. As you know, as you just mentioned, uh, uh, NFL cheerleading, professional cheerleading is a lot different than college. There's a lot more stunting involved in college. You have partners that throw you up, you do a lot more acrobatic work. But in professional, you're more of a performer, a dancer. And uh, with that being said, I don't know if you know this or any of your listeners may know that, that Mrs. Frontieri was actually a Vegas showgirl. She wow. danced in Vegas for years. And so she had a lot of dancing that she did. Um, and she was very familiar with technique and all that. And so I thought, you know, I'm not the strongest dancer, but I'm going to go in. I'm going to try out. And, hey, if I don't make it, that's okay, because at least I had fun trying, and I might make a friend or two. So good for me. <laughs> so I walked in, and, oh, my goodness, there was just, just hundreds of just these beautiful dancers, um, gorgeous women. And I thought, oh, my goodness, there's just no way that I'm going to even make this team because I have not the strong uh, background like some of these girls. But, you know, given my ten tenacious uh, personality and a driven personality, I decided I'm going to go find the strongest dancer in the room. I'm going to stand right next to her, and I'm going to make friends with her, and I'm going to follow her and do everything she does and work really, really hard. And that's kind of how I live my life. If I don't know something, I'm by God, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find out how to do it. I'm going to polish it, 
And um, I'm not saying I'm ever going to be an NBA player because I'm a five foot, five foot one little peanut, but um, I can pretty much hold my own when it comes to my two boys. When we, they ask, hey, mom, you want to play basketball? I mean, I give them a run. <laughs> Zach and Will always kick my butt, but at least I, I don't give up trying. So anyway, I walked into the, the, the audition and uh, a long story short, I ended up making the top. I was chosen. Um, and then the hard work began. Uh, I had to uh, maintain that spot on the field by proving myself with techniques. So a lot of people may not know this, but what I did was I hired a dance coach and I did a lot of practice behind the scenes just to polish my technique. And I didn't want anyone really knowing about it because it was a little bit of a handicap for me. I'll give you a great example. Uh, Michael Jordan, when he retired and came off the court, he started baseball. And I am really great friends with his hitting coach, Mike Barnett, who now is the hitting coach for the Cleveland Indians. And Mike and I uh, get together every couple couple times a year. And one of the stories he told me, Blaine, was the public doesn't know this, but Michael, after practice, after batting practice, when all the whole team, everyone would go home, Michael would meet with Coach Mike Barnett, and he would hit for another hour or two. He never told any of the players. He did it in the privacy of his own, in his own way, and he just worked really, really hard because hitting wasn't his strength. And I tell you that, and I share that with you because dancing wasn't my strength. And so in order for me to secure a place on the line on the NFL field, I had to make sure that I lived up to why they chose me because the selection process, choosing a cheerleader is just as intense as a player. You know, these coaches and these, um, these scouts, they don't choose an NFL player or a guy coming out of college on pure talent. I mean, there's, go- there's a lot that goes into this selection process. I mean, you can maybe have the fastest 40-yard dash and catch the most footballs, but Tom Brady doesn't win seven Super Bowl champions just on talent alone. you got to represent yourself as a man off the field. you got to hold yourself to a, a certain level. you got to be able to be a, a coachable by other coaches and, and have camaraderie with other teammates and, and be a leader. And, um, and I guess those are some of the qualities that I have, and they saw that. So coaching me, polishing me um, is what um, – as after I retired from the NFL and stepped off the field, I wanted to use those uh, skills to start the charity, the foundation, just like many other NFL players, NBA players, uh, sports athletes do all over the world as they start their foundation. So it's very few that you hear of a cheerleader. And uh, with my father's diagnosis with Parkinson's in 1999, right around the time Michael J. Fox went public with his disease, I saw my dad's Parkinson's degenerate and it just broke my heart to see that this man that I looked up to all my life, the hero in my eyes, um, is, is, is a little frail. And even though he always will, as I look at him, always be my hero, I thought, you know, there had to be a way that I could bring resource and educate others that may be going through the same thing as a daughter loving her father, but more importantly, a caregiver like my mom, the caregiver that's behind the scenes, cheering 
on their loved one that may be battling Parkinson's disease. For sure. And transitioning to Team Gateway to a Cure, you're trying to enlighten individuals about Parkinson's disease, as well as making sure the awareness of treatments, a support system, as well as making sure that everyone is being able to, whomever has the disease is comfortable. And your, your platform is more on the, uh, the platform of education with the caregiver support. But you also said that you're a resource for the Michael J. Fox Foundation, as well as the Muhammad Ali Foundation. Do you want to talk about that a little bit as well, what, what, how you are impacting them as well? Sure. Yeah. So about four years ago, I um, had raised quite a bit and continued to over the years uh, for the Fox Foundation uh, for research. And I uh, started a 5K called Soul to Soul, S-O-U-L-T-O-S-O-L-E, because my dad has such a sweet soul and Parkinson's affects your gait, your step, your, your soul step. And so over the years, Michael J. Fox has honored me in New York City at the VIP Awards for my efforts. And so, That's you know, incredible. thank you. Raising money is the easy part. You know, people are so philanthropic. They are always caring and giving and want to write a check and, 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 and donate for, the, um, for research purposes, which Michael raises millions of dollars every year for that purpose. But then there was another side uh, tugging on my heart, and that was the one that people really don't talk about, the support of a caregiver. And so after having the honor of meeting Lonnie Ali, the, the widow of Mohammed, as we all know publicly, he suffered from Parkinson's. And Parkinson's, just just so people are aware, the boxing career of, of the champ, um, boxing doesn't cause Parkinson's. Just like walking down the street doesn't cause a cold. You can't catch Parkinson's. You either genetically are predisposed to having the disease, or as you get older, you are environmentally affected, which will set the onset of the disease, Parkinson's. And so after learning a lot about the Muhammad Ali Parkinson Center out in Arizona, which is affiliated with the Bear Oaks Neurological Institute, I met with a lot of research doctors, their staff. They gave me a, a great walkthrough and insight of what their resources and how they support the caregiver. And how that, how that all started was Ali wanted everyone to really understand how important their inner circle is. The doctors, the family members, his wife, his friendships, how important those care, the care from those people giving to them or him while battling the disease of Parkinson's, how that can give hope and comfort while they go through the disease, whether to find a cure or while they manage the disease of Parkinson's. And because of that, Mohammed lived a great life. He battled and had an amazing cheerleading support, I guess you could say, behind the scenes of the four walls of his home, cheering him on every day that he is more than just the disease. He's a funny man, just like my dad. He's funny. He's easy to talk to. He, when we're together, we reminisce about childhood, days we go fishing and hunting and uh, camping 
and we do puzzles. We cook together in the kitchen. We cook meals, and we we connect. And when I'm together with him, just like other caregivers, we don't talk about medication and therapy and how you you know he isn't feeling well. <laughs> I mean, he's not. He's battling every day. And so, what does it mean to meet the person where they're at? And give them hope and comfort and just enjoy while they go through it. And so that's what we do at Team Gateway to a Cure is we really focus on the second patient as insurance companies recognize caregivers as. They have depression. They have anxiety. They hit a wall. They're frustrated. They may even be financially um, uh, in a compromised position if you're a low-income senior. And you can get tax credits back from that. You can... Um, you can reach out to the Ali Foundation. They bring people in the home. They coach you. They train you. They help you understand how you can care for your loved one in the home. And since quarantine now has happened, many of these these older populations, they don't want to go into a nursing home. They want to be at home in the comfort of and the peacefulness of their home environment where they can smell the food from the kitchen and they see the sites of the pictures on the wall. They have friends and family members that can come over and visit from a distance. And so sometimes that caregiver is overwhelmed. And so when there's a freezing moment, such in Parkinson's is when you want staff, you want to move, but you're frozen and you can't. How do you manage that person while they go into a freezing moment? And we educate the caregiver how to do that, how to change bed sheets take them to the bathroom, how to give them showers and bathe, uh, medication administration. Uh, there's caregiver support programs. Thank goodness through, you know, technology, you and I are talking, telemedicine. The doctors can talk to their loved ones in the privacy of their own home. If there's physical therapy involved, the therapist will come to the home or they do it through Zoom. And so it's taken kind of a different um, um journey in terms of managing the Parkinsonian community. And I think it's really important as Team Gateway to Cures continues to uh, build its brand website. And so uh, interviews as well as those that I've done in the past will be on the website for others to hear how they can have the best support given what they're going through, that they're not alone, that there's thousands of stories of everybody going through the exact same thing, that they can share their stories so we can all trauma bond and know that we're all not alone. We can get through this together. No doubt Parkinson's is, is a very unfortunate disease and it's a very harsh disease. What's the message that you guys try to provide to every caregiver? Because you guys are focusing on that caregiver support. What's your message to them? My message to them is, Oftentimes, a caregiver will try, they, they go into this feeling like they have to save the person. And sometimes it's not saving them or being God Jr. It, it, right now, I think what you need to recognize is just connecting and being there and know they do have the support. And that's where the overwhelming feeling comes from a caregiver. They feel they have to do it all. And I think if you look at your network of people in your circle, as I, you know, refer back to Ali, he, he had a network of people that are in there to help jump in. 
when Lonnie would hit a wall and she's tired, she'd reach out and have her people come in and give her a break, give her some rest this time. And so it's important that if you do choose to stay home with your loved one, to give them the, the best care, it's important that you do reach out to others that can help jump in, step in. Um, it doesn't mean that, that you're not um, capable. It means that you're actually very intelligent and very in tune to that you need care yourself so you don't have those depressive moments, those anxiety moments where you feel like you're going to cry yourself to sleep and you can't do it another day. And so whether it's a family member, maybe even bringing over a meal, giving you a break, or driving to the pharmacy to pick up medicine, or hey, I'll pick him or her up and take them to the doctor. Or how about I come over and spend some time with your loved one while you go and run some errands or get some, you know, girl time or dude time with friends. So you have a social outlet. And, you know, make no mistake about it, we're all we're all into each one of us are going through something, whether you're caring for as an adult child like myself, yourself, caring for your parents, or as an older sibling, caring for a younger sibling that may have special needs, or as a grandparent caring for grandkids, or as a single mom caring for my dad, loving him, um, and also caring for my children. And so, you know, given that that's the position I'm in, I do have a great network of people that I can reach out to and say, hey, I, I can't do it alone. I need some help and I'm in trouble. And when you notice that, that's the most important time because at the end of the day, you want to know that your support, your support system is loyal and will always be there for you. Speaking of that support system, uh, I've, I've noticed that the Rams organization has actually helped you in, in some sort of way in the promotion of your foundation, as well as being able, being a part of that support system. Just can you touch upon how much of an impact the Rams as a whole has been able to help you get, get this information out there to the world? Yeah, it's, it's huge. I have NFL, the players, um, cheerleaders from all over the country um, that have reached out in such large quantities of, of huge support that have been there for me. And, you know, it's one thing, you know, people are like, oh, Jen, you know, you guys didn't get paid a lot. No, we didn't. We didn't get paid. Uh, we didn't bank like the players did. But there's more that I take away from ambassador of the NFL and that is a network of 20 years of people that I can call Marshall Falk just called me the other day and we're doing some stuff together Tori Holt Isaac Bruce great friend of mine um coaches and players uh, you know Kurt Warner and um Ernie Conwell just some of the greats I'm working on, on a, a, a confidence camp for inner city kids in uh, Las Vegas with a couple other players from different teams, they reached out to me because they want to give back. I mean, we're all um, giving back in our own way, but we're all, um, you know, um, I, I just picked up my little guys from school, and that's, that's Zach, and there's Will. I say, well, hi, this is Lane. Yeah. Zach actually is a superstar runner, and Will here is an incredible voiceover actor and a great great swimmer so um 
and they they don't think I'm very cool right now because they're teenagers and I'm mom. But. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, yeah, I was not. I was I was in I was in their shoes not too long ago. Yeah. So. No, but the family, the we call it the Ramley, where I always have uh, a great support, and we're we're family forever. And I'm just so honored and so proud, not only to be doing what I'm doing, but also having that support behind me, knowing that people, they want to give back. They're cause-oriented. It is some, it's just a special place to be. Absolutely. And I want to jump in back to cheerleading real quick. What was the best moment that you were able to have as a Rams cheerleader? Oh, my dear. You know, actually, it's so funny because when I was at the Super Bowl last year, I ran into a bunch of players and we did a, a, a flag football charity event together. And one of the number one things that cheerleaders and football players talk about all the time when they get back together and they see each other is that we miss those locker room days. Mm -hmm. uh, being on the field is great don't get me wrong it's exciting it's exhilarating and it's super fun whether you're losing or winning but when you go back to the locker room some of the jokes and the, the, the laughter and the things that we do uh, tricks that we play each other and just all the goofball stuff that we do is you just miss that and um those that I would say those those moments are probably ones I will never, ever forget. And of course, you know, winning, winning games is always great as well as being a part of a two time Super Bowl champion city is always great to say, but it's the locker room and the friendships and the bonding that happens behind the scenes. That's fantastic. Uh, Jen, before, before we wrap this up, I want to ask you back to team gateway to Acure. what's next for you in 2021. Uh, what's the future of the foundation? Are there any big events that are coming up that anybody that's watching or listening that need, they need to go tune in and look out for it? Yeah. So we're, we're getting ready to launch the new website uh, next week and uh, very exciting for that uh, in terms of um, the podcasts, the interviews, the media um, information from the media that is going to be out on there. And also what we uh, want to do is we're going to be going into a home uh, of a caregiver once a month or once every quarter and interviewing them and their story to share what the struggles and the ups and downs that they are going through. And the other is I just signed on um, as of last week, um, writing a children's book and it's the uh, care of a child from you know young age to their 20s um, and how important their role in as a caregiver of their loved one through the eyes of a creative mind of a child. And um, the book is going to really focus on um, sharing for care is kind of what the name is. And it's going to really bring in a lot of my uh, upbringing the history of, of me and where I got to uh, become where the platform of the uh, or where the foundation is in, in the platform where it's at. But it's going to be a story told by a child and how different creative ways that children 
can bring hope and comfort back to their loved ones. And as you see from grandma and grandpa or, or parents or anyone that may be struggling, when you see a child come up, give them a hug or spend time uh, with children, they bring such a joy and they do have, oh my goodness, do they have creative minds. And sometimes those voices and those uh, creative ideas need to be shared from a child's perspective. Um, Muhammad Ali actually wrote a book and it's called, I'll Hold Your Hand So You Won't Fall. And it's, it's very um, informative in terms of educating the Parkinsonian community on what Parkinson's is and how you can um, recognize different symptoms and what you should do. The Ford was written by Muhammad Ali, but basically, uh, and here's a, a sweet picture I'll share. Um, that's Muhammad. Yeah, he wrote the forward, and that's his daughter who actually wrote the book. But it talks about a lot about you know tremors and shaking mm -hmm. and just a lot of the symptoms. Um, but how also uh, what to do when you have feelings of depression or when you're feeling low. Um, you know, you're not feeling uh, up to yourself and you have feelings that, you know, how do you emotionally get through it? And this is a very, this is a great resource, uh, but my book is going to be more um, uh, a, a story from a child's perspective through the creative ideas that go on in their mind, because there's so many wonderful ways a child can give love and hope and care to their loved ones. Just because they have an age that's younger doesn't mean that they don't qualify. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think it's hardest on the children. So I think that perspective that you're going to try and bring is going to be something that's really unique to the platform and to help raise awareness consistently higher. No, for sure. Yeah. So the book uh, is going to be coming out. It'll be finished at the end of the year. And our timeline is going to release it toward Christmas. Um, the documentary trailer for the movie is on the website, A Race for Another Day. Yeah. And um, you can watch that. And then again, the podcast interviews and uh, going into the caregiver's home to share what they're going through. And I think ultimately what I do want uh, to take away from uh, what you and I both have talked about is I truly want caregivers to know that they are not alone and that you can give hope and comfort back to your loved one, no matter what they're going through, whether it could be Parkinson's, but it could be anything. And it's really important that you reach out to the people in your network, your resource of people. And when you're in trouble, they should be there to help you. And it's okay that you don't have to save them and feel like you have to rescue because you, you won't. And you're just setting yourself up to fail. But what you can do is you can love them, engage in time with them, and give them comfort while they battle through it. Absolutely. Jennifer, you, you are an inspiration on and off the football field. You're doing great. Oh. <laughs> you're doing great Thank work. You so yep, much, you're doing Mike. great work with your foundation, Team Gateway to a Cure. If you guys have not checked it out already, please do. Again, Jennifer just told you she made an announcement. Website's coming out this week. She's going to be demonstrating, releasing a book. Her movie's coming out. Lots of stuff to look forward to. 
as she's raising awareness about Parkinson's disease, not just in the United States, but across the globe. That was our Monday special edition of Final Whistle. Again, Jennifer, thank you so much for taking your time to chat with me today. Thanks again, Blaine. And you take care. God bless you and your family and everyone else. Absolutely. Everything to you as well. That's every, everyone. Enjoy your week.